everybody, and welcome. This is episode 250 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. I am James, joined once again uh, by a very distracted Ryan and Paul as we record this on Monday oh, yeah. night. And uh, the Brewers are playing the Dodgers, and it's the top of the fifth inning, and things are starting to look not great. Uh, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that and, and talk about the week that was in Brewers baseball as well. But uh, first of all, guys, how, how you doing? You're, you're going to a show together this week. Yeah, yeah, we're going to see the Decemberists tomorrow at, in downtown Chicago, um, which should be fun. Haven't seen them in in forever since way, way, way before the pandemic. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been a little bit more recent. Amy and I caught them on the tour for the last one, the last album that they released. So that would have been like 2018, maybe at the Riverside, Milwaukee. I think that's about right. It's been a good long while since I've been to the Chicago theater. So I'm looking forward to that because it's maybe been 10 years at this point. So good, good acoustics at the Chicago theater. Yeah, really like the Chicago theater a lot. Yeah. I'm just going to assume that my invitation got lost in the mail, um, but I hope you guys have fun. That sounds like a great show. That's fine. Are you a Decemberist fan, James? No. no. Oh. <laughs> I, and I couldn't go anyway. I got to work. Uh, but no. No. It sounds great. I uh, hope you guys have fun. Uh, definitely uh, looking forward to some good things happening, especially after a, a so-so weekend from the Brewers. I know, uh, Ryan, you were traveling a lot, and so you, you caught some of the games, and, and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, oof. Uh, heading into a hard part of the schedule here and uh, not a lot of optimism raging, I guess, after three very close games against the Cardinals and two that did not go the way way that we would have hoped. But uh, we'll talk to that uh, about that in a minute here. Uh, But first, if you want to help support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate for as little as two bucks a month. That, of course, gets you question priority on all of the podcasts on the network, including reporting as eligible. Five bucks a month gets you that question priority, plus some exclusive podcasts, including the Minor League Extra with Ryan and James Anderson from Rotowire. And Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods uh, when he has time to do that <laughs> in well, the season. We'll, we'll be back next week. This week is tough. Um, it's, it's the week between when school starts and when... Um, childcare ends around here so it's the week like everybody goes on vacation and um we're kind of just suffering through work today and tomorrow with the kids around which is just miserable um and then we're going to see the in-laws so um can't uh not gonna have time to crank out uh a football mini pod in the in the interim but tomorrow next week we'll be back um full on with everybody doing shows um both kinds so yay for that no, I feel like I got a little Packers mini pod before we officially started here because I asked <laughs> what you thought of Jordan Love's game, and you basically said he sucked. So he did. Suck. Uh, that's that's the the TLDR version, the the mini yep. mini pod. There, you you get that this week here. So yeah, a lot of people saying he didn't suck because not all the interceptions were completely his fault. But even aside from them, he still sucked. So he was bad. <laughs> it's another Very... data point in the Jordan Love sucks story. Yeah, very, very encouraging. All right. Uh, So we'll be on the lookout for those Packers podcasts uh, coming up. But as I mentioned, uh, the Brewers dropped two out of three to the Cardinals in another very close series over the weekend. As we've noted multiple times here on this uh, podcast, the Brewers and Cardinals season series is about as neck and neck as you can get. Uh, The Brewers are, what, seven and eight now? against the Cardinals this year after this weekend. Four more to play, two at home, two on the road. Um, 
but also super important to note that the tiebreaker is a thing this year because there's no game 163 and i believe the brewers need to win three out of four to clinch a tiebreaker over the cardinals that's correct yep so and that's kind of scary do not to own it over the phillies that ship has sailed exactly so oh, the uh, timing of that phillies was so bad it was right when they got hot after uh canning girardi right yes yep exactly yeah. yep it was the start of their their winning streak there and they've been red hot ever since then really so uh bad timing on that series for sure um and, and speaking of bad timing a lot of things that kind of went wrong for the brewers a kind of a typical st louis series in bush stadium where it was very close games but the cardinals ended up with the big hits the brewers did not and that's about all they wrote uh i should mention too one of the the key hits was a very very long one from albert pujols on sunday afternoon which we'll talk about uh in a minute but i'm still quite upset about so i guess let's just start there uh four head-to-heads left and as we mentioned the tiebreaker is super important uh but ryan i guess you know of what you saw this weekend how are you feeling about the brewers against the cardinals down the stretch and uh what they need to do over those last four games well first off i'm not here for your tampa bay rays uh sweep or mini sweep or whatever it was erasure so no, we no gotta, that's right we gotta we gotta go back and go the, they did they, go four no yeah and they're oh, what, like yeah, 11 yeah. and 11 and three against the al east now so we swept uh, the al brewers hooray <laughs> yeah so there's that, and they had a three and two week, so it's not like the end of the world. Three and two week against right. uh, two playoff teams, got teams that are sure. currently in the playoffs. So like the, the sky is hardly falling here. But yeah, I from what I gather, uh, the game on Friday night was a frustration of uh, I didn't see any of it. I was at a fish show, um, but the uh, the thing on Friday night was largely a. Uh, they were hitting balls hard, but right at people. It seemed to be a complaint I saw a lot uh, on Twitter. So I just kind of uh, chalked that up to glad I didn't see that game and uh, walked away from it. Was happy that they won on Saturday night. Caught that uh, in the in the amphitheater and, and realized that probably 10 minutes after it happened because the reception was terrible. But uh, yeah, Sunday is really the hard to swallow one because of what you talked about. And it's important to remember that Rodgers had already given up the home run in that yep. inning to uh, Tyler O'Neill, right? Yep. So they were already correct. behind at that point. And then there was Strzelecki warming up and they opted not to go to him. And uh, yep. that seems to have made a lot of people very mad. And I'm just going to wait on that because... We have questions about it. So, but uh, I think that ultimately, if you look at where they are, sort of big picture here since the break, they are eleven and nine, and I, I did a little math on that. So it's a five fifty winning percentage. Take that out to the end of the year, uh, you know, with their current record and everything. If they play five fifty from here on out, uh, it's eighty eight wins, and I think that gives you probably what like a coin flip to be in the playoffs. I think that's about right. That's yeah. a coin flip. So basically, they need to be better than they have on, like, in total from uh, the All Star break to now. But it's really been like this weird run of you had a seven and two start coming out of the break. Everything looked great. Mm -hmm. And then they traded Josh Hader and everything went to shit for a week. And then they kind of, like I said in the thing here, they kind of stabilized a little bit this week. A but, little bit. But still, yeah, dropping two of three to the Cardinals when you're going head-to-head -head with them for the division is 
a tough one, especially the way that it happened. But I, I think that the season, what what this season is going to be is still really to be written. This is, uh, we're going to go deep into the season before we really know what to, to say about this year, because by all indications, this is a good team, but it's not a great team. It's There's flaws there. And we're just going to have to see like what this September run looks like once they kind of get past. They have these seven games against the Dodgers over the next 10 days. Um, they do have them sandwiched in with series against the Cubs, weirdly. So we go Dodgers, Cubs, Dodgers, Cubs. Why? I don't know, but whatever. Uh, and then there is the Yankees and Mets come up on the schedule yep. relatively shortly after that. And if if you want to hear people really complain about their team, listen to Yankees fans right now because they are beside themselves. <laughs> uh, so they, yep. there's that. Uh, but after that point, like there's a Cardinals series in there, um, but it, it gets they might pretty, need, honestly. So that's fine. Right. But it, it's also like it gets pretty soft down the stretch, like the, the stretch run. And it's all at home. The The stretch run is almost entirely at home. So you, what happens in this season is going to be defined by what happens in September, pretty much no matter what we do now. Uh, it, it Whatever happens is going to be defined by what happens in September. Probably. It'd be nice if they'd go on a tear against the Dodgers for seven games plus the Cubs, but they won't. So you're right. <laughs> they just have to survive it and not be like eight or nine out. That's that's what you want to avoid. Um, need to be like five or less, I think, to still be in this puppy. But uh, that it's dangerous. This is a dangerous stretch for the team. They they just got to tread water a little bit here. Yeah, it. it it's a stretch that we kind of talked about last week, right? That could easily put them down in a hurry, especially considering, yeah, we talk about the Brewers' September schedule being soft. The Cardinals' September schedule is even softer, and that does not help the Brewers when they're it a game not. and a half back. Um, so that's something to watch out for, too. Thankfully, the Padres seem to be imploding again, so they may help the Brewers out a little bit uh, <laughs> down the stretch when mm -hmm. it comes to that third wild card spot. And significant developments there that we will also talk about in a few minutes here oh boy mm -hmm. um but well, i guess and before we move on just to check in on where pakoda has them as of this morning so as of monday morning uh before whatever happens in the games tonight is complete uh they have the brewers at a 66 percent chance to make the playoffs uh 43.7 percent chance to win the division and uh and then the Cardinals basically is the only other contender for the division. So they have the Cardinals slightly ahead, which is notable because they do not have the Cardinals ahead by as much as you would sort of assume, given the fact that they're up a game and a half. And in fact, going into I, I checked this on Sunday morning before they lost that game to the Cardinals, the Brewers were a half a game back and were favored over the Cardinals to win the division, even though they were a half game back. So I know that probably traces back to Pakota always hates the Cardinals. So <laughs> like there's that, but it, it is worth noting that, uh, that it's still really very much a neck and neck race here for the division. And they're still better than, I mean, right now they're two to one to make the playoffs. So sure. Yeah. Um, I guess anything over the last weekend, either one of you, that kind of changes your feeling on how this race plays out. Do you think the Cardinals are just better than the Brewers, or is it still kind of 50-50 as it has been? I think the Cardinals are better. Uh, I think that they improved enough in an area of weakness. 
I think at, even though they didn't have great starting pitching, it does have some knock-on effects. Just keeps people a little fresher, keeps the bullpen a little fresher. Uh, if they happen to get a Quintana Brewers matchup, that is a, never a bad thing if you're the Cardinals. <laughs> um, and their offense is just better. It, it just is. Um, so uh, I, I like them better. I think that they are a better team. Like my my, my sort of revisionist uh, thinking on the Brewers trade now is isn't so much that it was good or bad. It's that it didn't really advance their cause of of winning the division very much. It was, it, right. it really was a bites at the apple trade. Like, I don't really think they got appreciably worse. I think Hader might actually be kind of cooked. Um, and it's sort of a challenge trade for uh, Rogers versus him. Maybe Bush is something that's fine, but he's a fairly minor addition. You can get guys like that just around. Um, and they didn't do much to address many of their problems. They just kind of swapped guys who were similar and uh, they're kind of the same and the Cardinals got better. And uh, I don't think they had that much leeway to give over them. So I, I do like, I think the Cardinals are more talented and and more likely to to win the division now. So um, it's not like it's impossible, but if I was betting, that's what I would bet. Yeah, the Jordan Montgomery edition is interesting, and I don't know. I would have said that he probably gained a lot by moving from the AL East to the NL Central in terms of difficulty and certainly mm-hmm. park factor. Like Definitely park factor. That place is yeah. brutal to hit in. It just is. Yeah, so like that is a, a thing. But I don't think Montgomery was he was also uh, in New York as a left hander. He had the better side of things there. The left handed pitchers always do better for the Yankees because it's the right handers that have to suffer with that short porch in, in right field. So uh, I, I just I don't know how much the Cardinals actually did improve. They probably more so than the Brewers did. But I still thought the Brewers were the better team, uh, especially from a depth perspective. Uh, like, and the the Cardinals definitely just do not have the starting pitching that the Brewers have. Well, that's and true. They like, don't. It, it, well, very few teams do, and it's kind of the the big outstanding thing there where the Brewers do not have the the middle of the order bats that the Cardinals have in terms of Goldschmidt and Arenado. You know what else the Cardinals have over the Brewers though? Better defense. Quite a bit mm-hmm. better. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals are an exceptional defensive club, starting with Goldschmidt and Arenado as yep. being exceptional on the corners. And that does help a lot. And the Brewers season defensively, they weren't supposed to be middle of the pack. They were supposed to be, you know, better than that. So it is difficult. I don't know. I I still think the Brewers end up winning the division over the Cardinals. I think that uh that they will find a way to get this done down the stretch and that the the starting pitching is actually going to be the thing that makes the the biggest difference in that because I still don't think the Cardinals really have guys that I would trust so much for that. And the Cardinals' bullpen is maybe a little bit weaker than I thought it was, especially Gallegos has been pretty human because I thought that was the really the strength of their pitching staff was that they had three legitimate stud guys at the end of the game to shut things down. And that seems a lot less true than it did earlier. So the, their starting pitching has gotten better, but their their relief pitching has actually gotten worse from where I thought it was. So we will just have to wait and see where this all plays out. But I wouldn't expect either team to run away and hide. That would that would surprise me. That's really the only thing that would surprise me about the race at this point is if one of them runs away and hides. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. We talk, uh, mentioned it a little bit earlier, but our first Patreon question this week comes from James Vandenberg asking about Sunday's game. Craig Council leaving uh, Taylor Rogers into face Pujols on Sunday. 
worst bullpen management from him since when? Uh, this is an interesting question because, of course, the only thing 42-year-old Albert Pujols can do is hit <laughs> left-handed hitters. That's, that's correct. To the tune of this year, 351, 386, 662. So uh, definitely questionable at best, Paul, to leave Taylor Rogers in, especially after yeah. he had already given up a home run. Uh, yeah, when uh, it was either I think it was when Ned Yost uh, got fired. It might have been Ron Renicky, but I think it was Ned. Um, uh, Joe Sheehan, when he was still with Prospectus, wrote a piece about his bullpen management against I believe it was the Phillies at the time. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and about how the only reason you'd make those decisions is is snipers in the balconies. Yeah, um, that was the uh, the Brian Schaus walking. Uh, it was the Brian, Brian Howard yep. to get to Pat Burrell. Get yeah. to Pat Burrell. <laughs> yep, that. This was kind of like that. It's not that dissimilar. It, it's definitely one of the weirder bad council moves that's been made in a long time because uh, Albert's really, really helpless against same side. Like, really, really helpless. Uh, James, James Red, I, I have, of course, have his, his splits ready to go here. Uh, against righties, the lefties, he's amazing. He's got a 1,000 OPS. Against righties, he's 176, 282, 315. Um, compounding this a little bit more, um, Albert Pujols, specifically against Taylor Rogers in his career, is hitting 667, 625, 1,667 for a <laughs> 2,292 OPS. Um, it, it, that's boosted slightly by that particular at-bat, but not a ton. You could have just made him bad by bringing in the righty, and they didn't. I don't know. Um, I, I guess I have one, one quick add. So the 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 specific Pujols versus Rogers stats. Um, that's the uh, he Albert Pujols is bet. Uh, no, sorry, this is Taylor Rogers splits. Uh, Taylor Rogers is th- the worst against Albert Pujols. Uh, everybody on his pitching chart that is worse than uh, or that is better against him than Pujols is has three plate appearances or less. Uh, Al- Albert's got eight, so not a ton, but uh, he really sticks out. That was not great. Yeah, I was listening and I heard them mention that Strzelecki was warming up. So I wasn't actually watching at that point. We were out shooting hoops with uh, Steve's son at that point. And uh, they mentioned that Strzelecki was warming up. And then the next thing I heard was Pujols had hit a home run and it was off of Rogers. And yeah, not great. Um, I think that it's... It's a tough one because we don't know exactly what the circumstances were of that. We don't know what they said. Strzelecki did pitch tonight, so apparently he's fine. Like, there was no physical whatever. I don't know. Was he fully warmed at that point? Was he? And if he wasn't, why wasn't he? That's the thing. If he wasn't warm, you got to anticipate that matchup coming up, right? Well, especially right. because it was a stack of right-handed bats, right? Yeah. Like, they they had stacked the righties because they were facing Aaron Ashby, so... They were, you know, working on that. It is, it is a tough one. I, I think that a lot, like, really, way too much gets made of individual pitching decisions uh, in baseball games, like bullpen decisions, uh, and like it. Yes, the Brewers did score a run in the bottom of that inning, but no, yeah. you can't say, well, then they would have, <laughs> you know, that it would have been tied. It would have gone to extra innings. Cause that's not how any of this works. If it's a one run lead, the, the Cardinals approached that whole inning differently. Like the, mm-hmm. the pitchers they're using are probably different and the pitches that are being thrown are probably different. So everything down that line is probably different, but yeah, the, it, it definitely is a, it's a weird one for council and probably one that 
I'm guessing he wishes he had back. Uh, I, would, I would hope <laughs> I would he wishes. So. <laughs> yeah, I would yes. hope he wishes he had it back. Uh, and it may have also had something to do with trying to like see what you have in Rogers. Like, okay, right. how much leash can I extend this guy? Am I going <laughs> to give him chances to get himself out of messes? Because pitchers always want to get themselves out of messes as opposed to having somebody else come in and clean up after it. And yeah, that, that definitely uh, got thrown back in his face and it's, it's rough. His ERA now since joining the Brewers is a extremely unsightly, Oh God! It was like eleven. Uh, I got twelve point two seven up on reference right now. Yeah, twelve point two seven since that, which, uh, yeah, I mean, largely comes down to the fact that he gave up those two runs there. Though he also had given up uh, a run in another appearance earlier on. He's he's, he's given up five runs on the season so far mm-hmm. or for the Brewers, right? Yeah. And four of them came in that game yesterday. Yeah, so because yeah. he worked yeah. a clean. Very well, two strikeouts, very nice looking inning, I guess, on Saturday night. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, he was fine. Yep. So <laughs> that one, and he is now officially like, you can look at this and go, okay, that four runs, he's going to be digging out of that for the rest of the season. Like his ERA yes, for the is. Brewers is never going to look good now. Even if he <laughs> throws up zeros from here to the end of the season, it's still going to be like a four. It, so, drove its full, it drove his full season ERA from 435 to 5. It was, it's been a rough stretch here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, people make too big a deal out of a lot of reliever decisions because usually you're not facing super platoon guys or you're just, you got a guy who gets, well, this is one of those where like, now you, you took, you basically took the greatest hitter of all, you, you could have made the greatest hitter of all time into, um, you know, a, a terrible hitter just by bringing a guy in a batter. Well, this one mattered a lot. And was very obviously a bad idea um, up front. So I think you can dig him for this one. He shouldn't have done it. Yeah, it, it's one of those where you do wonder what else was going on that they didn't bring in Strzelecki because it, it's such a difference. It's so stark that Pujols just murders him. And there's no way that Craig Council didn't know that. Like, of course, that had to have been communicated to him. And yeah. he, he definitely knew that. Well, and it makes it worse that Strzelecki then came in. So it's not like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he pitched in the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just to check in on uh, the guy that uh, Taylor Rogers was traded for, sort of famously, uh, Josh Hader's ERA is uh, 10 13 since joining the Padres. And that yep. largely comes down to one outing as well. Or it does come down blew to his, one. Blew his first save in spectacular fashion. What was it, like three walks and a hit, batter and a hit? Like mm-hmm. it was, blew a three run lead. And hasn't pitched very much since going over two, which maybe has you wondering what exactly is going on there because he's only at 2.2 innings. And I think that was his third game in with the Padres that he pitched. And I don't think he's pitched since. Yeah. Well, they did lose like four in a row. So not a lot of lead opportunities in the the ninth inning for the Padres either. Um, Important to remember. It's only been like a half a week and a half at this point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Uh, both uh, both sides of that trade kind of hurting a little bit but Mm -hmm. uh there you go uh i I don't know if this decision is like the worst craig decision ever i'm sure some of it comes down to recency bias right like it was pretty egregious (laughs) and we can't think of another one right now because we're so mad about that one um but yeah I, i i even i king of the you know devil's advocate well maybe they were thinking this can't come up with a good reason because even if you're like well you know he 
the home run he gave up to O'Neill was kind of fluky down the line. It was his only, only his second home run he gave up all year. Like, you cannot let him face Albert Pujols at all. Nope. Like, like Paul, you said, any right-hander would do. Me throwing with my right hand, and I'm left-handed, would probably fare better against Albert Pujols. <laughs> you would probably have a do better than the line that Taylor Rogers actually has against Albert Pujols, which is the <laughs> yes. kind of line that a major league player has against like a high school pitcher. Like that's <laughs> that's what you get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh man, it's definitely one of those that you wish you you had back. But hey, Brewers have four more chances, and and maybe they'll make us forget about that one game, and it won't replay in our heads for years to come. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. All right. Uh, before we get to more Patreon questions, there was something else, the big news over the weekend uh, that I wanted to talk about here. Uh, of course, it kind of sort of affects the Brewers, too, when it comes to the wild card chase. It's Fernando Tatis Jr. getting busted for PEDs. 80-game uh, suspension means he will miss basically this entire year because he was still rehabbing injuries and then uh, miss more than a month next year as well. So... Definitely significant and definitely lots of uh, feelings of betrayal, I guess, would be the best word to use there. If you're looking at AJ Preller's comments, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. he was he was extremely mad, um, as you might expect a GM who may or may not be facing the hot seat and, and swung a couple of big trades to mortgage the future uh, might feel. But, you know, $300 million extension aside, not great for baseball to have one of your young stars busted for PEDs. Nope. And to make it worse, I guess he claimed that he got a drug over the counter in the Dominican to treat ringworm. Yep. The catch, of course, being that the drug he used to treat ringworm looks an awful lot like the word of the steroid that he got busted for. But, but it was not, not the same. Not mm-hmm. the same at all. Uh, it seems like somebody Googled the wrong word. And this is now officially my favorite steroid story since <laughs> Melky Cabrera's agent set up a fake website <laughs> to kind of sell off uh, his suspension. <laughs> um, so I guess just first of all, Paul, impressions of like how big of a bummer it is for a guy like this to go down. And then I guess, you know, because we're callous and we don't care. How will this help the Brewers? It'll help the Brewers a lot. Um, assuming he was going to come back and be himself, that uh, that was going to be very good for them. So um, he's a multi-war player. But um, I don't... Uh, players, of course, are players. And and um, when you play professional baseball for a living, uh, you sort of miss out on uh, some of the other developmental scenarios that the rest of us go through. Your human interaction is not normal. Um, and this strikes me as one of those things where Someone should have been yelling and screaming at him. Do not go and post your excuse on the Internet. Uh, If an agent, in fact, had him do that, that agent should be fired tomorrow. Um, This all needs to be coordinated through the team, even if they're ticked off at you. Like you can't be going and Googling the wrong drug. And I'll say there's one thing I'll applaud him for, which is it's kind of embarrassing to get ringworm. He came up with, you know, ringworm is a weird choice. I feel like I would have gone, I would try to find something else. Um, and I guess maybe you Google the drug and then you work backwards to the disease that you have for it. And I do wonder how, how like what he would have gone to out of desperation. But, um, it, you know, ringworm kind of a, at least a, a unique one, but uh, wrong drug. So um, he should be pilloried for this and made fun of. And um, it, it's a, it's a bad story. Also, I will say there's some reports and I, I've, I've seen him like on photos of rehab and stuff. He looks bigger. Um, I think he, he was did look in, beefier this year. He was yes. sort of inviting some suspicion 
along those lines too. Just a bad story all around. Not to make the embarrassment worse, but I didn't see this until now, but apparently his father, famously Fernando Tati Sr., mm-hmm. <laughs> um, said that he got a fungus due to a haircut, and that's why uh, he got this medication. Oh. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ringworm. It was haircut fungus. <laughs> it was, I mean, the, the infamous the, haircut fungus. <laughs> the odds of that are worse than the odds of hitting two grand slams in the same inning, so that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, oh, man. So, yeah, this is one of those things. I I'm having a hard time not taking delight in all of the Padres' uh, misfortunes, and I guess that makes me a bad person or whatever. But I just I look at a team that does everything. They're kind of like the Brewers' evil twin, um, and they get held up and lauded as like the example of what you want to be in a baseball team. You want the owners to be spendy. You want the GM to be aggressive. You want the like all of these things. And the Padres just don't win. Like they've been over 500 in AJ Preller's tenure, which goes back to 2014, I believe. They've been over 500 once. And that was the, the, uh, the, uh, the shortened year, the COVID year. And they've made the playoffs once, and that was the COVID year. And they, they probably will be over 500 and make the playoffs this year. That's, well, seemed more likely a couple of days ago than it did now. But, like, they probably will do that. But it's just hard for me not to have a lot of schadenfreude on it because I look at it and I'm like, the the Padres get held up and lauded as, like, the model of an organization, how you want your, your team to be, how you want your GM to be, and yet they just don't win. Like, and here the Brewers are, you know, fighting to get into the playoffs for the fifth straight year. So so all of this said, uh, if I could have Fernando Tatis on his contract tomorrow, I would still take him. Would you? Yes, I would. I... I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with having um, PED users on my team. I've, I've gone Clearly. through this and know how to deal with it. So yeah. um, I, I, he's, <laughs> he's, very, he's very, very well compensated, but I think he probably won't do it again because uh, once bitten, twice shy. And still young enough that I think it'll be worth it. So I would still take him. Yeah. So I'm more concerned about some of the other stuff. He is always hurt. And when you're always hurt as a like 22 year old, uh, that generally doesn't get better when you're a 26, 27, 28 year old. And correct. You also have to wonder, well, is this the first time that he's been using? Is this like <laughs> how, how far back does that go? How much of his remarkable breakout like he was not a guy. Fernando Tatis Jr. was a guy who was not one of the top signings. This wasn't like when uh, you had, uh, say, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. or one of these guys who who got signed to one of the top uh, amounts in their in their bonus class. He was kind of an afterthought, and Preller famously saw him on like a backfield as a like in spring training right after he had signed. Uh, and like pe- started pestering the White Sox who had originally signed him to mm-hmm. get him, and they brought him in. And pretty much right away after he came to the Padres, he started on the superstar trajectory that he you know ended up realizing and and getting to that point. And so I do just wonder about like what exactly happened there, how that happened, like how did he go from being kind of a an also ran, even though he was the son of a major leaguer, and those guys tend to get extra attention and be given an extra benefit of the doubt. So I, I do kind of wonder about that the same way that you kind of wonder about with, with steroid guys in general, like how far back was Ryan Braun using like people, there sure. are people who claim it was back to his Miami days Yeah, that yeah. he was doing I, it when he was I in college. That was kind of the consensus at this point. 
Right. And yeah. so you wonder how much of his, you know, the, the truly great years were a result of that. And then you get the question of, OK, so now he is past that. What is it going to look like? But really, as I said before, the, the even setting aside the steroid thing, the fact that he's missed so much time and also that he's doing it from meat-headed things. He's this is right. I was gonna say <laughs> Preller's mostly pissed first that he broke his wrist on a motorcycle, right? Yep, and yep. then that he got suspended for which this. one, like, James? Which one? <laughs> like that right. was that was the crazy part of it too. And they're like, "Did you do this You're like in a motorcycle accident?" He goes, "Which motorcycle accident?" Like, yeah, this is this is an indication that there's like some stuff going on here and i understand that it is also it's part of like being the dominican republic like everybody rides motorcycles because it's really the way to get around but like you also have a 300 million dollar contract so like just don't do that bring (laughs) me red flags yeah bring them to me yeah (laughs) yeah if if Miller wants to pay for another bad contract and (laughs) offload them to somebody sure Oh, and he's going to be offloading some contracts. But I, and I'm going to say this actually here <laughs> now. Josh Hader's a non-tender candidate for this winter. Oh, you heard take. it. You heard it here <laughs> first. Like, I mean, look, the Padres are going to be in seriously financially uh, precarious position because they are their payroll is exploding and they are losing a bunch of pitchers. They're losing a bunch of their starters this winter. And so between the payroll exploding and them losing a bunch of starters, something's going to have to give unless that owner does really just want to be like, okay, I'm going to 250 million and I'm just going to start cutting huge checks to MLB. If he wants to do that, if that's what the plan is, okay, then Preller's got some wiggle room if he even (laughs) still in the job. But I don't know if that's the plan. So you'll have to see. We will see. We will see indeed. Uh, All right. I guess speaking of we will see and games that are ongoing right now, PJ Wessels asked this question over under one and a half wins against the Dodgers this week. And I asked this just as Gavin Lux and his 720 OPS against lefties just took Kobe Milner deep. So Mm -hmm. uh, Brewers are not down four to nothing. Uh, I don't know if I would be confident enough to take the over here, Paul. Under. Easy. They've struggled (laughs) against good teams. Dodgers are the best team in uh, the National League, if not baseball. And you should just take the under on that for most teams that face them. Yeah, the Dodgers are also an an incredible heater right now. Like, they are, you know, what last I saw was like 37 of 43 or something. Like, this is getting to be like uh, Giants at the end of the 1951 uh, season territory, where they just, like, <laughs> never lost for the last, like, two months of the season. It's why, they so, it's, why it's so dangerous the Brewers play them so much in a row right now. That, like, yep. this, this could really end them. It's a very dangerous situation for Milwaukee. Yeah, though they do have the Cubs sitting there to, like, hopefully bounce back a- against a little bit. Honestly, this one really does come down to the fact, like, if the Brewers were winning this game right now, I would take the over. And yeah. if the Brewers were losing this game, I, which they are, they're down for nothing. Uh, I, I'm going to take the under two. Is I can't even be that optimistic. Like I, I, there's limits to my optimism. I guess we found them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay. So on Tuesday, you got Woodruff against a human named Ryan Pepiot or something. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that guy. Uh, and then in the finale, it's Lauer against Tony Gonsolin. So, no, there's four uh, in the series. Yeah, this is a four gamer. Four gamer. So it's Thursday. Andrew Heaney against Corbin Burns. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe a split? Nah. 
<laughs> I mean, you got at least you got the two horses going, so you got a chance. But you got a chance. Uh, but also, to... to Paul, you're you're uh, this is a dangerous moment uh, thing. Uh, the Cardinals play the Rockies this week, so very uh, dangerous. This this could get out of hand in a hurry. Yep. Um, not super super happy with the scheduling right now. Ryan Pepiot does appear to suck for what it's worth. So um, that, we, got, <laughs> we got that going for us. The rare Dodger pitcher who actually sucks. I'm sure yeah. there's some reason they like him, but it just I'm hasn't sure. like manifested yet. He's a righty too. Yeah. I mean, okay. Better yeah, chance no. than than other when I thought originally, but I'll still take the the, the Dodgers are just machines. So yeah. Three out of four, probably against the Brewers safe bet. All right. Next Patreon question comes from Adam Post asking, how likely is it that Sal Fralick sees time with the MLB club this season? Uh, he's definitely been uh, rising quickly and he's really been raking in triple A. Granted, it's only 12 games, right? But uh, according to baseball reference here, 391, 482, 500 in that time since getting the call up. Um, 18 hits and 46 at bats, uh, three doubles and a triple. So uh, overall, hitting pretty well, Ryan. But you, I guess you, what are uh, the odds? Buried the lead there, James. You buried the lead. Seven walks and five strikeouts in seven walks and five strikeouts. Fifty-five plate appearances. Yeah, that was the part that really jumped off the page to me when I looked. Uh, like last week, it was four to one when I looked uh, at that point. Uh, Freilich is incredibly interesting and also a legitimate plus center fielder defensively. And that might be the thing. If if he gets the call, it's because they've basically decided Jonathan Davis is not worth running out there anymore. And they think that, okay, we can get Freilich. At least he'll get on base some. He, he probably is going to find ways to get on base here because he does do a good job walking and making contact generally. And also uh, just playing outstanding defense. And if they decide to give him that shot. I wouldn't expect it before September, but right. maybe when the, when the rosters expand, I believe that the rule now calls for, so when you expand, you can only expand to 28 from 26 yep. to 28 and one has to be a position player. So they will yep. have an extra spot for a position player opening up. So maybe that's part of the deal too. I, I honestly don't know, but probably not. If I had to bet money on this right now, we see Sal Freilich for the first time sometime next year. Uh, I, I did throw it on Twitter. May. <laughs> well, <clears throat> so if you think he has a chance to win or finish high in the Rookie of the Year voting, then you call him up to start the season and see how he does, knowing that if he struggles and whatever, you can send him back down. But if you bring him up to start the season, you open up the possibility with a top three finish in the rookie of the year voting you get compensation sure so there is that aspect of things now and Freilich will be I, I saw Keith Law had him on uh, his list at 56 part of the compensation thing is the guy has to be on the top 100 lists some top and he will be so that's that part is not a concern also that top 100 list thing is stupid and yes it doesn't <laughs> like it don't don't bother with that just you know if a guy gets called up, if he's on the roster at the start of the year, then just go ahead and give the team that had it the uh, the compensation, whether or not he was on the list or, or not. Who cares? Like, just yeah. do it. Um, this has caused an interesting issue because this is the first year we're doing this. 
And it's going to be really interesting to see in about a week, a little bit more. The 23rd would be the date. On September, or sorry, on August 23rd, you will hit the date where a guy who's called up after that point can no longer get to 45 days of service time and lose rookie of the year eligibility. Mm. So there are people that think you are going to see a number of top prospects get called up like the days immediately following that <laughs> because that's the new like, you know, April 15th line the way it used to huh. be like interesting. So and this is what people like Keith Law have always talked about this as an issue that no matter where you draw the line, if you have a line, teams are going to manipulate to that line. Like you're you're telling them where the line is, so that's what they're going to, you know, they're going to they're going to fudge around that line no matter what. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think this year maybe a little bit lighter because off the top of my head, I think right now there are fewer top prospects who are like sitting like truly top prospects, like top 20 guys who are sitting very close to the majors um, in sort of that questionable area uh, than like there were to say start this last year. So I think it's maybe going to be less impactful, but it, it'll still be interesting to see if some some uh, notable top prospects get called up uh, in like about 10 days that it's going to be worth watching. I mean, the Orioles are definitely going to do that for their push for the playoffs, right? Can you imagine like right after that cutoff, calling up some of their top guys? And, well, I think Dia Hall know, did just get called up. I did. saw that. Yeah. Um, where's Gunnar Henderson at? Because he's like now maybe the number one prospect in baseball. Him and I it's think like he was. It's he was it's ahead him, of Churio, wasn't he? Well, it's yeah, it's him, Corbin Carroll, and um, and Churio are like the three yeah. top guys getting bandied about as the top prospects. So, but or at least most commonly talked about, yeah, yeah. I don't know, Paul. I know you're not the prospect guy, nope. but would you be in favor of calling him up because he's not Jonathan Davis? Yes, I would. <laughs> um, <laughs> purportedly good, and I'll take any talent infusion at the position. I don't really care who it is. Yes, that sounds good. Do it. Yeah, also, I mean, the his name's Sal, and he's from Boston, so like the jokes just write themselves. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, that's there you a good go. time. Yeah, I mean. Ryan, you were talking about the the September call-ups, and I was just kind of assuming that maybe like Asturia Ruiz would be the guy that you call up as a pinch runner in September and let him go buck wild. But uh, if if Freilich's hitting well and you think he can actually produce, he might be the guy. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. I think Asturia Ruiz, when and if the Brewers make the playoffs, is very, very likely to make the playoff roster because at that point, Teams don't generally carry more than like 10, 11, 12 pitchers, but 11 or 12 at this point, probably. And so you have like extra spots for for guys to just be like a designated pinch runner. And mm-hmm. I would think that he would get that nod. And I, I would think there's a good chance he just gets that nod in general in September as well, because he would be tremendously useful in the 10th inning uh, for those yes, situations. True so, enough. yeah. But self relic is also not slow notably a fast runner so not as fast as uh, Ruiz puts up like legit 80 times like he has been clocked putting up 80 uh, home to first times and that's not Freilich but uh, looking at his minor league career here you have uh, oh this is including his college numbers I just want his pro numbers don't do that to me um, <laughs> you have 
fighting with baseball reference. Yeah, fun. fighting with baseball. Always reference. a good time. Yep. Yeah. No, in the minors. Okay. Uh, Twenty nine stolen bases and eight caught stealing. In about five hundred and sixty played appearances, so about a season's worth. So sure. Yeah. And it is easier to steal in the minors. The pitchers are not as good at holding. The, the catchers are not as good at throwing. Yep. And there's even been some rules, depending on what levels and where he's been, where when he's been. There's some true. rules that benefit runners as well. But still, obviously, totally 29 stolen bases, eight caught stealing. The guy can run. All right. Our next Patreon question comes from Mark Podscarby, also asking about the minor league outfielders, the, the glut of outfielders the Brewers have at AAA now. Mark's question is, with Freilich, Mitchell, Ruiz, and Weimer all in AAA, how do you see the Brewers handling the outfield this offseason? Do they just roll with Yelich, Taylor, and Renfro again until question mark? Do they trade away a vet to open up a spot? Is there a chance any of the prospects start in the majors, or would they likely be held down to gain an extra year of control? So, Ryan, you kind of touched on part of that, but I guess... Uh, interesting offseason coming up because, you know, you, you don't figure McCutcheon will be back and, and there could be some shifting around in the outfield there. Yeah, it is questionable whether McCutcheon would come back. Uh, I think they like having him on the team, but they probably have more considerations in terms of opening up playing time for guys in the near future. I think that you probably do bring back Yelich. Well, Yelich, you you have no choice. I think Taylor probably does come back unless they find some sort of a deal that uh, works that way. Uh, Renfro's a bit of a question mark, though. You wouldn't expect him to get. Uh, so he this year he got seven and a half, a little bit more uh, in in his third year of arbitration, but has one more arbitration year left. So you assume probably about ten million, and I think that makes a lot of sense for them. In terms of that, unless they wanted to maybe get somebody who offered more versatility uh, than him and brought in somebody kind of to replace him with an eye towards people like I think Freilich and Weimer are not far away from the major leagues. They are uh, banging on the door. And I would guess if the Brewers think they have a legitimate chance to finish high in the rookie of the year voting they would open the season with them. And then if they struggle, you can always send them down and gain the extra year. If that's the service time games that they want to play, they can always do that. <laughs> and it's, and it's, you know, it, honestly, it's somewhat legitimate too. Like if a guy is, is absolutely terrible, sending him down is a reasonable thing to do. It's more it, reasonable than keeping him down. That's for sure. Right. Yes. It's yeah. Uh, the, the big question then becomes like, when is Churio coming? And <laughs> I mean, it could be a lot sooner than we realize. I after that August deadline next year, you think? <laughs> I, I think it could be sooner. And it's 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 stupid to say it this way, but like Juan Soto came up really fast, guys. He was really young. He had barely played above a ball. He had barely played above a ball. <laughs> Um, he just got like a, a the barest taste of, of double A and they had him up pretty quick. Um, I, I don't want to put that level of expectation on him and all of that, but my God, I saw the highlights coming out of this weekend and he dude just is, he is a man amongst boys and he's like five years younger than the rest of them. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. It is absolutely insane. I don't know if you saw some of the the contact he was making, but my God, like you have to just like pinch yourself and go, yeah, that's an 18 year old. And he is just absolutely raking. And 
spraying the ball. And his his approach is really advanced too. Just a really advanced approach for somebody that age. And speaking of strikeouts, like he has drastically cut his strikeout rate down since getting promoted. And if there was something that you could point to and say, like, this isn't ideal for a, a prospect, you could point to that with him at, at Carolina. He was striking out 27% of the time. Uh, so far at Wisconsin, he has 15 strikeouts in 85 plate appearances. So he's cut back his strikeout rate like almost 10 percentage points off the top of my head. So you're looking at a guy who is striking out considerably less uh, as well. And yeah, it, it's hard not to dream. And it's it's going to be quick. It, it is going to be quick. I I don't think it's going to be in the first half next year, but like it could be. Just really quick, uh, breaking news: the the Brewers struck out four times in an inning. Um, <laughs> in the sixth inning here, they struck it's out the four ideal times. Brewers inning. Yeah, yeah uh, Chris Martin for the Dodgers with the ninth known four four strikeout inning in Dodger history. Um, <laughs> Clayton Kershaw did it in twenty twenty one, so it's it's recent, but uh, it's a very Brewer thing to do. So I thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> I'd say Randy but, Johnson had a few of those in his career, didn't he? Though he never pitched yeah, for the Dodgers. Yeah, any, so. anybody who's wild and and strikes people out will do that a couple times here and there. So, yeah, and lineups that are slow and strike out a lot can also be prone to those innings, as as the Brewers are. So, there you go. All right, uh, next Patreon question. Moving on here comes from MC Cham asking. What's better for September and October? A weakness-free lineup like the <laughs> Brewers have now. That's a hell of a timing uh, situation. Oh, yeah. No weaknesses in this puppy. Woo. Or a Stars and Scrubs lineup. Uh, Paul, you, you, do you want an average up-and-down lineup, or do you need a, a big star slugger in the postseason? Uh, it would be nice if... So here's the thing. Uh, a true weakness-free lineup would actually be okay. Um, but uh, while the Brewers have a average to above average lineup by OPS plus and a few other metrics. Uh, they don't get on base enough. They have a big weakness. That's it. It makes it hard to string hits together. It makes it hard to hit home runs with people on base. Uh, it's a it's a problem, and it's one where if they were actually a little more balanced, it wouldn't be as big of a problem. Um, it's nice that Yelich has kind of turned into LBP man at the top. It, it's not totally hopeless, but um, I like... I like my stars and scrubs lineup, to be perfectly honest. Um, I would rather have that. I like a few guys that you can really count on to intimidate pitching. Um, I, I kind of feel like if you bring in elite pitchers, that the elite hitters are not hopeless against them. And if you bring in elite pitchers against the Brewers, you get this game that we're watching right now, uh, which is not even elite pitchers. It's just Dodger pitchers. So, yeah, I, I would like I'd like a few stars who can give you a couple of runs to then, uh, you know, put Burns and Woodruff over the top. That's what I would like. Yeah, you'd always like to have a star hitter <laughs> like that. It definitely makes things better. I but... mean, the question is, would you rather have the Cardinals, I think? And yes, I would. So. <laughs> well, no, but the, the Cardinals aren't so much stars and scrubs. They're pretty strong at the back end um, by comparison. I'm trying to think of what a true stars and scrubs lineup looks like. Actually, you know what? We have a perfect example of it in Brewers history. It's the 2018 lineup. The 2018 Brewers lineup was absolutely dominant one through five. You had Kane up there getting on base in front of Yelich, who was going all MVP. And you had, uh, I don't know, probably uh, uh, Aguilar and 
Shaw was still good at that point. Like the one through five, the Brewers were one of the best one through fives in baseball. Their six through eight was historically bad before the trade deadline. And then they went out and brought in Moustakis and they brought in Scope and they brought in some guys to try to lengthen the lineup because that was their big need was they were great up top and had a really bad back end. So that would be kind of a true stars and scrubs lineup. So by comparison between the 2018 team and this team, man, (laughs) it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, But I still think probably probably this team but i don't no way i don't no way well i'm Ryan. talking about this team before <laughs> the before those trades for mustak or the 18 team before mustak is remember how bad that lineup was at the back end it was automatic outs i don't care six like, seven this, eight this lineup against any playoff team is automatic outs uh, you, you need like vintage yelich to give you a couple runs like the, the it, it if you're going to win with burns and woodruff just being lights out you don't need many, uh, but this lineup gets shut out too much. It doesn't score enough. You still need pitching. four runs and not three, right? Like, that's that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, how bad actually are they in on-base percentage this year? Because they're one of the top walking teams in baseball. Uh, all right, hold on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm working on it. All right. I know they're high up there in pitches per plate appearance because they They're they leading baseball in it, actually. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think then you you run into the issue or the mindset of are they too passive and are they not punishing mistakes which i think even in this dodgers game monday night you could argue they missed plenty of meatballs too yeah they're 10th and on base percentage in baseball this year it's the 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 batting average which is killing them the 239 batting average but because they're so good at walking um and i'll get the numbers on that right now brewers are sixth in baseball and walks uh and they are way down in batting average. I'm not even going to try to figure that out. It's they're down in the 20s somewhere. <laughs> um, but you know, obviously, this is a this is a classic Billy Bean Moneyball 1.0 sort of team in that they put it together to be uh, take a lot of walks and hit home runs, and that's what this team is. So I, I don't know. I. It's all going to come down to do you get hot in the postseason? Like, do you have a couple of hitters who go on power binges? Do we get Hunter Renfro on one of his binges that he's had this year where, like, in, like, you know, 10 games, the guy hits six home runs? If that happens, like, the Brewers are golden. Um, And it's possible that that happens. It's just you don't ever know when or how that is going to come about. So... I I don't know. As the resident skeptic on the whole, like they can't hit against good teams thing, um, uh-huh. I remain skeptical. Okay, but like I don't know. It just that back end of that lineup destroyed them in 2018 until they went and got uh, until they got reinforcements. Yep. Quick update. Still down four nothing. <laughs> um, yes. This this game is not going so well. Um, you could also say the 2018 team did get reinforcements and the 2022 team did not. Did not. Yeah, that is, that's true. I mean, they did, they had a clear, they had a clear hole and they fixed it in 2018 in a way that didn't happen this year, though there wasn't as clear a hole. So like aside from center field, they didn't really have a clear hole to fill. Right. And I say that, but also like, I'm, I'm a little tired of the, you know, 
constant references to not adding a bat every time they don't drive in a runner with two outs or whatever. Uh-huh. That I'm I'm tired of that. And also, it's not like there was a huge difference making that that was attainable for them that they could go get. Jock Peterson is not fixing this lineup as much as I love Jock Peterson. Right. right? So Joey Gallo would have been fine and he would have more been of the an same. upgrade more of the same right yeah, but like paul yeah you didn't even like that so yeah nope. i mean if they could have somehow gotten the nationals to unpackage josh bell from uh, that would have been perfect that would have yes, been perfect that's not realistic right because it that's didn't not what happen. happened so yeah it but i'm still frustrated and y'all's frustration is valid so all right moving on jay google <laughs> asking what do you think the plan is down the stretch for the Brewers once Adrian Hauser comes back? Do they move Ashby to the pen, small to the pen, or do they maybe use Hauser out of the pen as well? Paul, I know you've been a big fan of Rugi Adrian Hauser out of the bullpen for a long time, but yeah. how would you how would you use this mix of pitchers? I'm not actually sure. Um, I kind of actually want to stick Ashby there because I think while he's been a f- mostly okayish starter. I think maybe you get a little more bang for your buck in, at the end of the season uh, by cranking him up in the bullpen. But uh, I can see a case for kind of all of them, and I suspect there'll be some mixing and matching based on matchups and things like that. And Hauser is a good rookie candidate. He is uh, His weakness has always been kind of the same. Left, lefties hit him either uh, okay or great, depending on how he's going at any given moment. And uh, he, he can be a weapon there too. So um, I, I, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I'm kind of a skeptic on on Ethan Small's value in the bullpen. Um, a little bit in the starting lineup too right now, but um, those are the kind of, I think, the two things I would do personally. Um, but, you know, the thing is, they've got a lot of people you can mix and match and stick in the bullpen and get effective innings out of them, and they'll probably just play however they need to on any given night, depending on the, the lineup they're facing. Yeah, I would imagine we'll see uh, both of them start some down the, the stretch. I wouldn't anticipate seeing much Ethan Small uh, just in general. Maybe they bring him up as their extra pitcher, but I I don't even know if that's necessarily realistic or what they want to do. Um, he's not ready yet. Like Ethan Small has not figured out how to command against a big league lineup just yet. He still needs to work on that. So he's getting closer. I think he's still going to be a pretty decent big league pitcher, but it, it's not yet. So and not for a team down the stretch of a hotly contested playoff race like. Yeah, that's not the time to work out those kinks. The time to work out those kinks is in, you know, April, May, June of next year. That's when you do that. Um, But I do think we're going to see both Ashby and Hauser down the stretch uh, starting and relieving. I think both will make relief appearances and both will make starting appearances for them, um, which I guess is kind of in line with what you were saying, Paul. Uh, I think that some of it's going to have to do. They have a double header coming up. Uh, I think they have. A stretch where they have fewer off days because they've really like remember when they weren't having any off days and now all of a sudden like in the last like couple weeks <laughs> oh yeah they've got two a week now these yeah days, it feels like. a monday yeah. and thursday off day is just gratuitous after you did what they mlb schedulers did do them back in uh may and june like that's totally. disgusting and somebody yeah i'm gonna call for people to get lose their jobs but that was stupid um <laughs> so yeah it's I mean, Hauser and Ashby kind of line up really nicely to piggyback each other one way or the other, right? Like you'd stack up a lineup against mm-hmm. one and then bring in the other to mow down the lefties or the righties that the other team stacked up, right? 
yeah, I think you can play games like that. And I think that both of them head to the bullpen for the playoffs, like for sure. Yeah. So yeah. they're both guys that you would want on your postseason roster because they're going to be one of your better, you know, 12 pitchers or whatever, 11, 12 pitchers. They will be among that group, but they're not going to be pitching out of the rotation at that point unless, you know, God forbid, a bunch of injuries happen. You get until the NLCS and there's no travel off days between the last few games of the series. So there's going to be that, too. But but I mean, yeah, they do have yeah. four guys that they, yes, they beyond do. those two guys they have four starters ahead of the clearly ahead of those two like i think yeah. we can all agree that the other four guys are all clearly ahead so teams tend to in the postseason run four man rotations yep more so than not so yeah right apologies right. for the dings i'm making a pivot table of uh the quality of the opponents that they've blown out versus not blown out. So. Oh boy! <laughs> I, I didn't have a I didn't have a column formatted correctly. That was the noise. All good. All right. Our last Patreon question this week comes from Tyler Gibson, who's asking, for those who aren't enjoying this bite at the apple, <laughs> what are your recommendations for other movies or other watches, whether they're movies, TV, etc.? Tyler, really appreciate that question. Um, I'm notoriously bad at watching real TV. I can't sit down long enough to binge something. Um, and I'm really bad at watching things by myself. So I'm maybe not the one to, to watch or to ask here on what to watch. But Ryan, what, what are your streaming recommendations right now? So I'm going to recommend something without actually having watched it yet because I'm waiting to watch it with Amy. And we just haven't had the time to do that yet. Uh, but it was the subject of an entire episode of... Uh, of Effectively Wild this weekend, and that is the new League of Their Own series, which sounds like a very interesting um, derivation on what the original movie was all about. So it takes some stuff that was left mostly unsaid in the original movie and makes it the centerpiece of the story, which is going to be incredibly interesting, I think. So I'm looking forward to watching that. I also don't have Amazon Prime at the moment, so uh, that would be one. And also the thing that my wife and I do enjoy watching, it's our, our uh, guilty pleasure watch, is uh, the uh, um, Good Bones show on HGTV. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good, bon good Bones is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we enjoy that. We actually uh, were, were discussing maybe taking a weekend trip to Indianapolis at some point just to, like, go see Fountain Square. So for those of you who watch the show know what we're talking about. But, yes, that's, that is a thing. Uh, but... Yes, the, the League of Their Own uh, thing looks incredibly interesting, and I'm excited. It's uh, Nick Offerman plays the Jimmy Dugan role in this mm -hmm. one, and it's got, was it Abby from Broad City is in it? She's one of the stars, as is, was it Darcy from uh, The Good Place? So a number of people that are known are in that series. Sure. All right. Paul, what, what are you watching? You should watch RRR. Um, an Indian action movie um, that uh, is filmed in the Telugu um, language, not the Hindi language, although it's only streaming dubbed in Hindi on Netflix. And I'm not kidding about this. Uh, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm recommending some like uh, frou-frou foreign movie that none of you will like. Um, RRR is essentially the story of what if one John Wick was hunting another John Wick? And uh, <laughs> one, one was doing so um, as, on a revenge quest for um, a rural Indian tribe. 
versus a John Wick who is a traitor um, working for the British Empire uh, as a police Ooh. officer. It's uh, it's just fantastic. Everybody should see it. Uh, you, I recommend splitting it up into at least two nights. It is quite long. Uh, watch the trailer. The trailer should do the trick in terms of selling it for you. All right. Nice. In the meantime, totally random. Apparently, Jack White's at the Brewers game tonight. They just showed him on the broadcast. That's totally weird. Is he playing a show in Milwaukee or something this week? I'd, why else would he be in Milwaukee? Also, not to alarm anybody, but the Brewers have scored 24% of their total runs for this season. Uh, oh, that's not true. Never mind. This isn't that alarming. Uh, the Brewers have scored 24% of their runs in games where they've scored five runs or more against the Reds. <laughs> So about about a quarter of their five plus run games are against the Reds. Oh, so fun there. Makes That's sense. A, yeah, they are terrible. That's what you'd expect. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, thanks for the, all the questions every week. This uh, all of the questions this week, everybody. Uh, as a reminder, patrons get question priority over at Patreon.com/slash/MKETailgate. Two bucks a month is all you need to pay to get that question priority. Five bucks a month gets you a bunch of extra goodies as well as we mentioned at the top of the show. When you sign up to become my patron, you also get a shout out here on the program. And Ryan, who do we have joining the list this week? So welcome, Andrew S. Maybe welcome back. I'm not 100% sure, but welcome, Andrew S., uh, who joined up. And also, uh, shout out to Jeremy Moen, who upgraded from the $2 to the $5, so now has access to all of the extra content that we put up for $5 and above. So uh, thank you for that as well. We just like to note when people do that and get that extra content. We appreciate the support either way, but you do get that extra content if you were at the $5 level. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Absolutely. And uh, before we go this week, we would greatly appreciate it if uh, you do leave us a review and a rating for this podcast over yep. at Apple Podcasts. Still Bob up there. Still Bob. Uh, reminder, Paul will read any five-star review that you leave, and, and Bob's the most recent one. So if you think you can beat Bob, go over to Apple Podcasts, <laughs> give us a five-star review. Uh, and Paul will read it here next time on the show. While you're there, please do hit subscribe or follow, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen. We greatly appreciate the support. In the meantime, uh, we will be back next week here to talk about all things Brewers and hopefully not getting swept and kicked out of the playoff <laughs> race by the Dodgers. But uh, we'll see where the next week takes us. In the meantime, everybody, have a good week. We will talk to you then. 